Welcome to The Prevention Perspective, a podcast dedicated to sharing information, ideas, and resources about violence prevention work. The topics discussed in this podcast, including healthy relationships, prevention practices, and dating or sexual violence can be difficult, and we urge you to listen with care. Our hosts are not licensed counselors or mental health professionals. If you or someone you care about have experienced domestic, dating, or sexual violence, please call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233. You can also find more resources in the description of this podcast. All right. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Prevention Perspective. I am your host, Kara Woodard, and as always, we are recording this from Boise, Idaho, the second season, and we've been focusing a lot of our like topics and conversations around the theme of school-based prevention and how schools can be places where we have conversations with young people about what it means to exist and build um, healthy and safe relationships. So today we have another lovely guest. Her name is Megan, and I'm so excited to hear her perspective. Thanks for being here, Megan. Thank you so much for having me, Carol. Um, I was a JV at the WCA, so um, and that was back in 2017 and 2018, so it feels great to be back. Yeah, we're so happy to have you. Can you start by just telling the audience a bit about yourself and what you do? Yeah, so my name's Megan. I have worked in education for five years. I graduated in 2017 with my bachelor's in elementary education and a minor in community leadership. I currently work at Future Public School, which is a free public charter in Garden City, Idaho. I serve as an intervention specialist there. Um, I work on the special education team and I'm one of about 12 behavior interventionists working to support our students with um, the highest level of needs, whether that be socially, emotionally, behaviorally, or um, habitually. And we're working on daily behavior goals that includes things like advocating for one's needs, completing non-preferred academic tasks, mm-hmm. um, playing safely with peers by having a calm and safe body. Um, So basically, we are with these students all day, every day, um, and just helping them to be as successful as they can um, in the school environment. That sounds awesome. And Future is a really unique school, right? Can you tell us more about about what makes it so unique? Yeah, so Future is really amazing. I'm so lucky to have found such a great school to be at. Um, They are a free public charter school open to any and all students. Um, They are a STEM-based school where students are, we really see students as engineers of the future. Um, And students get to engage in computer science classes, project-based learning opportunities that are called quests, um, and futures Leadership is also very intentional about um, diversity, equity, and inclusion. So I think they do a really great job at bringing in um, many different perspectives. And um, we have a very diverse student body that creates a lot of great conversations and um, for students just to learn about one another's traditions. Um, and our third graders right now are learning about migration. And so they've had different guests come in 
um, and talk about their migration journey while also talking about their own journeys of where their family's from, um, what maybe brought their families to the U.S. Um, We have a bigger population of immigrant families at our school, so it's just a beautiful hodgepodge of um, just amazing stories. This sounds so cool, and I love that there's like opportunities for students to like share like about their own personal histories and learn from one another. Like that's sounds like a really important piece of like community building y'all have going on there. for sure. Yeah, I'm curious like what other ways future or just like with like what you're seeing in classrooms and with your experience and perspective, like what other ways does the school have for students to you know build community and get to know one another in ways that you know do promote inclusion and equity. Mm-hmm. So just like shout out to our teaching staff who are all (laughs) amazing humans. Um, The classrooms that I'm in anyway, every morning they have like an opening circle um, where they're talking about emotions, talking about goals that they have for the day, um, sharing things such as like their highs and lows of their weekend, um, things that they're worried about. We have a social emotional learning program where students are using what's called the mood meter um, where they can um, everyone in the class including the adults is kind of talking about what they're bringing into the school building that day and why they might be feeling certain ways um, there I've the third grade classroom that I'm frequently in does a lot of like role play and um drama type activities where they're acting out certain scenarios and situations and not only are the students like super into it and super joyful and having fun with it but they're also um like getting out of their comfort zone and um trying new things and like putting themselves in someone else's shoes um so that's just like really exciting to see Mm -hmm. um the students really like driving a lot of the conversation and mm-hmm. while the teacher is there to facilitate um it's really very student-led um and it's just like really amazing to be a part of and I sometimes like find myself like feeling like so drawn in like I'm like one of the students in the classroom <laughs> and then I'm like oh wait like I'm an adult <laughs> right but yeah it's really fun <laughs> Yeah. And that's so cool that, you know, like, yes, it's student led and like you're building that like emotional intelligence, like by having them, you know, like lead those conversations and kind of like have a center around them. But I know it's beneficial as well for the adults to like engage with that. So infrequently we're asked to like check in in our daily lives about how we're feeling and what we're bringing to certain spaces. And even just like having adults model that for young students, I know is so influential. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think our teachers have also done a really good job um about like teaching consent um and like making sure like you know their kids haven't like fully developed all of the like self-regulation skills that like we have as adults um so you know sometimes we talk a lot about like safe hands and safe bodies um and whether just like playing or like hugging one another or like giving high fives or like kind of like roughhousing mm-hmm. um our teachers do a really good job and I try to do this as well and I know saying like hey like did you make sure that you asked that friend that that was okay to do um mm. and like sometimes that friend will be like yeah it's like it's fine I told them they could give me a hug or um just like kind of using that language of like oh yeah like this is my best friend like they can hug me 
whatever. And so it's just kind of teaching. Um, it's also like, okay to say like, I need space or like, I don't want to hug right now, or I don't, um, want to play tag right now. I don't want someone else's hands on my body. Um, so I feel like our staff has done a really great job at like using that consistent language and like teaching consent with kids. Um, and it's definitely something that's like made me more aware as an adult too, of just interacting with different staff and different people throughout the day. And, um, I'm, you know, a very like touchy person in the way that I love to like, show um love through like hugs or like high fives or um just like pat on the back touch on the shoulder um but just knowing that that's not like what everyone likes whether it's kids or adults so I think it's helped me to um be more aware in how I am Mm -hmm. showing love and um showing connection yeah I think it's super cool when like schools allow spaces for students to you know like not only practice like boundary setting, but learn about it and why it's important. And, you know, so often what we hear about like, or at least like what I heard about before coming to WCA was, you know, like consent is a topic that, you know, pertains primarily to conversations about like sex and sexual activities or in romantic relationships. Mm-hmm. But of course, consent, you know, like just in being the act of like letting someone know like what you are and aren't okay with, like giving permission kind of applies to like anything that we're doing with anyone, right? Like yeah. whether it be friends could be hugs, could be like spending time with people mm-hmm. and school is definitely a great place to start to like build those conversations. And I love that you're doing that with like elementary school kids. Mm-hmm. Like it's yeah. a perfect age to start those conversations. Yeah. I think like I like really was doing some reflection on um, how I see like violence played out in communities stories of violence we see in the news um, versus like how we are seeing it in the schools. Um, It looks very different. And um, as someone who works with young people, just knowing that we like have a big role and have a huge influence over like teaching those self-regulation skills we go about teaching um, what can you do instead or like what can you do when you feel yourself getting angry Um, and it's a lot of modeling of like you go tell a teacher you take deep breaths you walk away you Mm -hmm. and I know obviously sometimes that those things don't always happen these are kids and it takes a lot of opportunities for them to really learn a new skill and um, Mm -hmm. practice that new skill and have support from the adults around them, not only at school, but at home and within the community. I've been thinking a lot about how, like, how do we begin to imagine a world and build a world where people are not experiencing violence in any form, regardless of gender, race, relationship, etc. And like, I think that really is a good thing for all of us to be thinking of, not just like those of us who work with young people or who work in the schools. Um, but really it's, I don't think that can be the job of like one institution or one person. I think, um, that comes down to all of us just like Mm -hmm. modeling and interacting in the world that we want to see. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You hit on so many good things. (laughs) the, The importance of, you know, modeling positive behavior for, for students, you know, and, thinking like, you know, being the change you want to see and knowing that starts like within our small little circles. And so, you know, leading by example, like that form of servant leadership. And then going back to what you're talking about, about, you know, 
making sure that we're talking with students about like who are trusted adults, how do we identify those trusted adults? And then, you know, when conflict does happen, that's, you know, y'all are like communicating about, you know, like, yes, this person frustrated you where there is a conflict and every conflict is two-sided, but Mm -hmm. like you do have agency over yourself and your own actions. So what are ways that you can, you know, go about in a way that, you know, promotes peace and conflict resolution, like you're saying, like, I think those are great ways to begin thinking like, you know, when conflict does happen, mm-hmm. what do we do to like resolve in ways that, you know, do not resort to violence? For sure. Yeah. And I think too, just like knowing as we become more aware as a community of like the trauma that young people are experiencing, um, I think it's really important to touch on that we are viewing that trauma as maybe can help us see like an explanation for the behavior and then what can we do to help like break that cycle mm-hmm. and um, how can we model for students like what healthy relationships look like um, mm-hmm. I know for like a lot of educators including myself it can be hard to think about the things that we can't control like for all of us that creates like our own like drive to want to change that and really wrap our arms around the student but also like setting our own boundaries of like what we can and cannot control um and like we might not be able to change that but what we can control is like modeling safe and healthy relationship so but it's it's it is also tough as kids because you know they can be like best friends one day and then like fighting the next day and then be like we're not friends anymore and then going back to being friends so it's like that very fine line too of knowing that like these are kids and I like reflect a lot on like my own childhood of just like conflicts with friends and you know not wanting a friendship to end and like not knowing when it was ending and when to walk away. And I think that's something we even struggle with as adults too, because relationships are super important. Um, Yeah. And I'm curious, like within your role, like what are some ways that you begin having conversations with students about, you know, like when we think about the environment that we want to create at school where people can flourish and thrive and feel safe. How do you like kind of scaffold that or support that with conversations with students about social emotional learning or like conflict when it happens, like resolution skills? Yeah, um, I think that it's really important, like in my role particularly, to know when a student is in a place to have those conversations. Um, Because if they're escalated, if they're stressed, if they're um, not regulated, they're not going to be ready to process or um, really start to tackle some of those more complex concepts. Um, I think as far as what I do with my students I work with directly is um, like modeling and role playing, like how we play with other peers, Mm -hmm. how we like ask to play with somebody, how we um, make sure others are okay with them going into their space. Um, Mm -hmm. I think like I'll just ask students sometimes like if they come to me and are experiencing a conflict I like to ask them like do you want me to come with you to talk to that peer you're having conflict with or do you want to do it on your own and if they want to do it on their own talking about like okay what are some things you want to say what is like the message that you want to get across um if you're feeling like you want to apologize to someone because you think you may have hurt their feelings um, what does a strong apology look mm-hmm. like? And I never like to be, and of course I'm an adult with 
my own emotions and I get dysregulated too. And you know, mm-hmm. when you're in the heat of the moment and you see up here conflict, sometimes like my first initial reaction is like, you need to go apologize right now. Like that was not okay. Um, but I try to be really intentional of like processing first and then being like, okay, like, do you feel ready to apologize to this person? Because I think like adults forcing kids to apologize when they're not ready or doesn't know what that means, like isn't helpful and doesn't like transfer to later in their adult life of like oh like if I just apologize like everything's fine everything's better um but like really understanding like what that means and what that looks like those are kind of like the initial examples that like yeah I that come to my mind anyway yeah for sure and I I feel like it's so important that students are given that choice or even just you know if they're uh, not at an age where they're thinking of like all the options quite yet like having someone to walk them through that decision making process where Maybe you're making sure we're thinking through the different choices like, okay, you could go apologize. You could take some time to think about Mm it. You know, maybe this person caused you real harm and you're not ready to apologize or you're not ready to have this conversation. What can we do in the meantime to get to a place where both of us are ready to like center that relationship at the heart of like the next conversation we have so that we're acknowledging Mm -hmm. like stuff happened. We're not feeling great about this. Like, people were hurt. How do we, like, move past that, like, acknowledge the hurt and also, like, find ways to, like, move forward where there is, like, some sort of reconciliation and, like, we can move forward and, like, not have this animosity or conflict between us. And my admin does a really amazing job of, like, utilizing, like, restorative justice skills, too, and really believing in that. Um, And I think, like, even just your questions last night helped me reflect on, like, um, not necessarily, like, discipline policies at my current school but discipline policies overall um within the public school system and how a lot of discipline policies like are oppressive and are punitive and like there's a lot of research that shows that like school suspension doesn't work to change behavior and you know obviously like how kids are just getting disciplined in school is like going to follow them and carry them into their adult life um especially in like when you get into like middle school and high school so um how can we like really start to reimagine school discipline and mm-hmm. um we like have the power to do things differently and i think that's one thing that like future really is trying to do and is really intentional about mm-hmm. yeah and i think you speak so well to like the importance of you know like having adults that's model of course like healthy conflict resolution skills but also the ways that we react when things don't go according to plan Mm -hmm. because the ways the students like are taught and like experience like discipline or like you know quote-unquote classroom management even though I hate that term because it sounds like it's like a business and (laughs) schools you know take the person and humanistic aspect out of it but you know when you're teaching them about discipline you're teaching them about power and you know in certain situations they'll be the person in power and it's like okay like when things don't go according to plan and I am in this position where I have more power over the other person what are some ways that like it's in my hands to restore this conflict or like and that of course like extends beyond the classroom you know like how do we imagine law enforcement like what are people like you know when we're on the job force like our management um politicians and stuff and so when we like reimagine discipline as something where it's like okay like harm was done how do we move past this how do we restore the relationship and like maintain that relationship in the environment where we can feel safe and less of like oh you did something wrong and therefore like instead of being taught about like what we can do differently next time you're punished 
you know, like that, that stays with, with students and stays with children. And if we're modeling that in the classroom, like what are healthy ways to do this? What are restorative ways? I think that extends way beyond the school into their other relationships. That oh, sounds yeah. awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, like, you know, there's definitely, the schools are in a really tough place because there definitely is like that line where if a child is having extreme behaviors and it's, you know, threatening to the learning environment or um, making others feel unsafe, it's not like schools are going to be like, oh, it's fine. Like, we don't care. Like, there's definitely that, like, that line of, Mm -hmm. you know, safety. And, um, but I think like, and again, I'm talking just about schools in general right now of, um, like we have the power in how we respond to that student who's really struggling with their behavior. Um, we, instead of like ostracizing and suspending and telling that kid that, you know, sending that message that like they don't belong, you know, we have the power to say like, we're here to walk alongside you to help you with learning the skills that you need to help others feel safe and um, working with family, working with community partners to provide services to that child and that family. It's not just like the end all be all like punitive, like, oh, you like kicked someone, you're, you know, Right. Kicked out of school forever. Yeah. Yeah, You're a bad. Right. Right. Like, I truly don't believe that there's, I truly don't believe there's like bad kids in the world. It's just, you know, we really try to look at it as like kids who are lacking the skills um, and how can we rise and meet the need um, and teach those skills that are missing. Yeah, because even like students are taking cues from teachers about like which students are, you know, quote unquote, like good students are quote unquote bad students. Yes. You know, like if a teacher is like continually frustrated with another student because they're not like behaving or fitting in with their expectation, the students who like do fit within that are like more or less like, you know, behave in a way that's expected. Like Mm -hmm. it becomes like a us versus you situation where Mm -hmm. that student is perceived as different, is perceived as an outlier. And that can have like psychological impacts as well. And so, yeah. Yeah. And I think... And even just like reflecting on my own like self-regulation skills of like, it is frustrating when, and like, I think all school staff could feel the same when like, you've like done everything you can, you've taught all the skills and like, you're still seeing like kids not following expectations as far as like being safe in school Mm -hmm. and helping others feel safe. And, you know, we'll like raise our voice or like feel like we're at like the end of our rope or respond in a way that isn't the best or the most trauma informed for that kid. Um, mm-hmm. Like I'm definitely not saying that like I'm perfect. I'm definitely not. And I've so that's like just always a work in progress for like any of us that work with youth, mm-hmm. because I think it's like important to show them that like we are people too. We have emotions too. We also get dysregulated and respond in ways that we might regret. Um, mm-hmm. So just like being vulnerable and being willing to show that I think goes a long way. Yeah. Like modeling, like for yourself, like admitting, like when you've, you know, maybe not like reacted in the best way, Mm -hmm. like apologizing, being vulnerable, you know, like within your relationship with your student, like modeling those healthy conflict resolution interpersonal skills. Yeah. I'm sure it goes a long way to making sure even you're being a part of the process. Like 
creating safe and healthy environments. So that sounds awesome. For sure. Well, thank you so much, Megan. I've appreciated like everything you've had to say, and I'm sure our listeners will appreciate your perspective as well. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I love the WCA and especially like this prevention department. You guys like are such a necessary service in our community and just like go above and beyond um, and really like have seen a need and have risen to meet that need um so i'm just also so appreciative that you guys exist and that you are doing the amazing work that you're doing thank you for listening to this episode of the prevention perspective again if you or someone you know has experienced domestic dating or sexual violence please call the national domestic violence hotline at 1-800-799- 7233. Or you can call the WCA's 24-hour hotline at 208-343-7025. Don't forget to follow us on social media at WCA underscore Boise and WCA Youth Reps. If you have any suggestions for topics you would like us to cover or get more information about anything you heard on today's episode, contact us through the email provided in the description of the podcast.